Hey everybody, welcome to Rain City Supercars, episode 26, take two, because I hate this software. Well, we had a guest that just, you know, he was a little froggy in his throat, so. Is that you? Han was the bad guy in Fast and the Furious. I want to say that right now. <laughs> no introduction, but no. Yeah. <laughs> that Speaking was of bad Tran. guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. So our guest with us this week is John Zubrick. Um I've known John, I met John because I bought my GTR from John. Uh, John works at Cats Exotics currently, and he is a, we have a ton of mutual friends. John has the E30 M3. I don't say a E30 M3, I mean the E30 M3, which uh, didn't you just get, and he just got published. Uh, well, yeah, I got a feature today, actually, yeah. on uh, Petrolicious. Yeah, and you guys probably saw us post that uh, today. I posted that. He's finally in print, and not in like the like wanted kind of like in the post office kind of thing. No, no, I don't think that's considered print. It is uh, on the internet. I have been on the internet before, though. I'm sure you have. Uh, that's a whole other avenue we're not going to discuss right now, sir. <laughs> um, in case uh, you're wondering why this is 26.2, we tried this once. Um, we had a really good time, which we're probably going to, again, have a really good time, thanks to the whiskey and John joining us. Um, and we had a little technical issue. Yeah. So, Gremlins, we'll call it. So annoyed. So I'm using Reaper to edit this podcast. And everything was great. Had my final edit. Sounded great. Went to export the audio. And all I got was, like, our audio mixed with a cat scratching the microphone for an hour. And I thought it was just the export. No. It somehow corrupted the original file. And... Here we are at it again, which you don't have to twist our arm to hang out with our friends, so lucky us, I guess. I'm, see, our problem was that, that we were watching Puss in Boots in the background of that last one, and that's why it was the cat, right? Why, that was I, a stretch I, even I hate for the you. fact that both of you look at me <laughs> the same way. Like, it's a little bit of disgust and a little bit of turned on. No, it's a lot of disgust. <laughs> Never mind. I, I think it's... Uh, yeah, I think yeah, it's I was going to say, nobody's got your back on that one, man. Anyway, so John, welcome to the show again. We appreciate you doing this. Of course, thank you for having me. Um, I, the first time went great, so I, I think really what happened is that you guys missed me, wanted me to come back and, and redo this, so here I am. Flattered to be here, though, I gotta say. Um, I think what you guys are doing is awesome. Well, I think you thanks, guys, man. Of course, I think bringing Dang the community that was together. Like, I can't come back at him. Like, we really appreciate you coming back, because I know it takes time out of your day, and you're busy, so we thank you. I, like I said, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I'm happy to, to shine some light on the Pacific Northwest uh, car scene and my passions. So, All right. So, like I said, I met John uh, via Cats Exotics. It was kind of a funny story. I was looking for a GTR, and it just so happened. And I was doing nationwide searches because many times over the years, I've gone across the nation to pick up cars. I got my Land Cruiser in Florida. I got my old S2000 in Michigan January in the winter. That was a fun drive home. Uh I got my old C6, my C63 in California. Didn't some crazy guy in Montana tell you you were crazy for driving the S2000 home? Yeah, so home? I was driving the S2000 home January. It's snowing like crazy. And I had put uh, winter tires on it before I left. And if honestly, with winter tires, it was a fantastic car to drive in the snow. And besides the snow plowing effect of just being low, and it was just stock height. Other than that, it was great. It handled like a dream. And it was that awesome transmission that's in that thing. But he looked out the window, and there's guys with trucks everywhere, and it's iced over the roads, and they're talking about closing the pass. I'm like, I got this. No big deal. Like thing weighs like not even 3,000 pounds. And with winter tires, brand new winter tires at that, this was really no problem at all. It was a perfect, perfect balanced car. But he looks at the window, <laughs> sees me fueling up gas, and it's, I think, about zero degrees, literally. I, I don't think it was – it might have been even less, honestly. He looks out the window, and he goes, that you? I was like, 
yeah? He goes, you're effing crazy. <laughs> he was dead serious. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing out here? But, it's uh, amazing how fast people get to know you, Dan. I know. <laughs> and accurately describe who you are. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm looking nationwide for the right GTR. I'm like, it's got to be a 2013 or newer because uh, back in the day, I liked the model a lot more than I do now. Now I think the perfect car for me is maximum reliability because I've found my, my joys in exploring. And so... Could you uh, find him an Odyssey minivan? Because that's really what he wants. That's next. Done. <laughs> Done. <laughs> right Already now. Already parked outside. Yeah. Which color do you want, sir? <laughs> so I find this GTR on eBay, of all places, and I'm like, oh, I'll just put an offer in on it. And I, I'm not even kidding. When I put in that offer, I didn't expect them to, one, to take it, and two, I don't even know if, I don't know at the time that I knew it was cats. It was just like clean Carfax, perfect GTR. It's exactly what I wanted. And so I threw an offer at him and they accepted. I was like, oh, it's in Linwood. And I woke up to them like, oh, I guess I just bought a GTR. <laughs> so Nice way to wake up. Yeah. And s- there was a slight rattle in the steering wheel, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. Anyway, so I, I go into Cats and easiest, to this day, the easiest buying process I've ever had buying a car. Like hands down. The most straightforward, like, here's what you agreed to pay. Here's your car. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Here you go. And I worked with John and it turns out such a small world. Of course, John and I had mutual friends. Uh, didn't know it at the time. I bought a car, I gained a friend. So I got a way better deal than just a car. I have a really random question. When he bought that car through eBay, did you still have to pay the buyer's fee or the buyer's, even though he bought it locally? Does that still yeah, apply? Yeah, if, if you buy a car through the oh, eBay auction, wow. then yeah, you do. You have to pay eBay. That sucks. Um, okay, their, I their just percentage. randomly, I, I mean, eBay. No, but but it's actually really random though, because yes, you came in, you bought this GTR and then I think what we found out that we were both uh, friends with, with Jeff, right? Yep. Jeff Miller, JMI motoring. And we've talked about Jeff a little bit in previous episodes. Now, if, if you're not from around here or Jeff keeps such a low profile, he's such a humble guy. People are like, oh yeah, I know Jeff, but they don't really realize they know Jeff. If, if there was a a SEMA car or a hot import nights car back in the late nineties to probably mid two thousands. And it was good. Chances are Jeff had his hands on it. JMI is, uh, he's one of the only guys I've ever met that under promises and over delivers on his builds. Like he'll be like, Oh yeah, I'll paint it. It'll be nice. It'll you know take a while, but I'll, I'll get it done. It'll be good. And you get it back and you're like, is that my car? <laughs> it's like, it's never, it's better than factory paint. You'll never know it has been done. And the guy's just, he's just amazing at what he does. So yeah, uh, tell him. Let's let's talk about your car. Well, do we want to rewind and talk about his other cars? Because well, let's go back. I mean, let's do a little bit of history of um, your history in, in the in the car world. I mean, in the Pacific Northwest, kind of tell our listeners where you're from, and then I, I do want to go into you know the, the the one car that you know Instagram famous for, and then I I think a topic that I'd like to touch on that I think John's really good at is is the Pacific Northwest car culture. Not and, Han from Fast and the Furious. Well, Han, you know he's the villain. And I don't care what you say. Uh, Han's a villain. Um, you don't be... know it yet because technically he's dead, but he's he's coming back. It's like an Avengers thing. Going like yeah. Marvel, well, what's never great died. about this is that in this room, there's four people that don't like you. Now there's going to be probably like 400 people that don't like wow, you. That's, um, Good job, Nick. <laughs> Only kidding. Cheers. He's having, he's having childhood flashbacks. Yeah. Hey, by the way, these people don't like you. Oh, thanks. That, that, that being said, while well, they're all sitting in my house... <laughs> <laughs> DJ likes all me. love, fine. all love. Yeah, uh-huh, sure. Give us a little bit of background. Uh, well, starting off, I think if we go back to why I love cars, would be my father. 
Um, grow, he grew up in Poland, born and raised. That's where he met my mom. They married. Um, we moved to San Diego. So I consider myself uh, basically born and raised in, in Southern California. We moved up here about 13 years ago. But the thing is, is my dad's been always a car guy. So growing up, there's always cars. And it just so happened that he's very interested in German cars. So I always knew like Mercedes was in to our family, like the car, the hand-built Mercedes. I'm not talking about the stuff from the last two decades. I'm talking about, you know, late 90s or early 90s, 60s, 70s. Not necessarily the, the, the really expensive ones because we couldn't afford that. Um, but like W108s, that which I have now currently, uh, 1966, W116s, um, more affordable Mercedes cars that are that were also hand built though. Yeah, but back where your father comes from, Mercedes was a status symbol. Like that was that was you've worked hard, you've achieved, correct? Well, back where when my dad was growing up, Poland was under communist rule. So okay. and where he grew up, he grew up in a small, very west um, city uh, in Poland and from what he tells me is that there was a lot of like the, the Polish brand cars or just a lot of very bland design. So he, when he would see the Germans rolling through town, they were rolling up in Mercedes or like Not a lot Citroen. Of- <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure there's those, some of those too, but, but either way, so, so he saw something and it's like, wow, this is amazing. You know, seeing a car like that, that had um, so much more quality to it and, and just so much more design. Um, so, so his in his passion for it is I I mean I cars have been around my life my entire life you know well and your your father has a passion for cars not just German cars I no mean, yeah he's he's yeah. all cars it just so happens that we're very heavy German German fans. cars yeah, yeah we understand that like I, I grew up in kind of the same thing where you know I grew up with German cars in my family and that was just like that's what it it, it is and, and I always feel like. When it comes to like Mercedes and BMW, I feel it's like the Cougars and Huskies. Like you, you respect the brand, but you don't necessarily you're loyal to one side. Well, growing up, that's how I felt too, and I felt like, oh, I shouldn't like this brand. You know, as a kid, you think there's a bad and a good, but it's like now, now you know, I have the my '66 Mercedes and I have the '90 M3, and and you know, to me, now that doesn't matter. You know, that seems so silly, but at the time, growing up, that's yeah, what growing it was. up, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's really funny how that works. Yeah, I I have no brand loyalty to anything, at all. No, but I'm I'm talking like as we were kids, like oh I, mean, I know, yeah, like, yeah. I mean my you know my I, I as I've said before, like you know my dad had a 1985 535 and it was 185 horsepower, most powerful four door sedan in the world at the time. And from that moment on, I was a BMW loyal person, and I would look at Mercedes and go, gorgeous German, but that's the other side of the aisle. <laughs> you know, I kept my Hot Wheels separate when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. I kept all my yeah. German cars away Absolutely. this way. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. do not mix. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that goes a little deeper. but uh, yeah. <laughs> Some very inappropriate jokes yeah. there we won't touch. Uh. No, so yeah, so we moved up here uh, about 13 years ago now, and um, obviously that's when I started driving legally, and, and uh, 90, the 1990 M3 came into my life, and I could honestly tell you it changed my life. I've met some of the greatest people. Uh, I met friends I'll have for life because of that car. And he means us, nobody else. Yeah, <laughs> and and I continue to meet. I think he means you. I think he clearly moments ago said he hates me, so <laughs> we're good. Only because you're wrong about Han, and nobody should really forgive you for that. It's understandable. 
It's oh, true. That, I want, I want that's one for, of two I want things why I hate you. I credit for owning it because I could have dropped that after the second podcast or the first podcast, but I want people to know that I made a mistake. Well, you guys made a mistake. <laughs> so so V2, you're, we're continuing on this. <laughs> why not? We're going to have to drop this at some point. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's dropped. I'm right. You're wrong. Moving on. All right. Um, I, I want something that we've talked about um, with you before on <laughs> version one, and I, and I kind of want to put it in here um, when, when we're on the subject of your father. He recently, I don't know recently, but um, you helped him import a car, something that he's wanted, and kind of a neat story. Yes, yeah, so, so it is a, a cool story because once again, it goes back to when he was growing up in Poland and he saw this Citroen DS pull in and... That car, even if you were living, I think, in America or any main big city, that car still looked like a spaceship back then. I mean, it still looks like a spaceship now. Well, he saw it back then when you see box cars. So that thing blew him away, especially because they have the hydropneumatic suspension, so it sits on the ground when you park it, basically. Yeah. And so, so yeah, so he's been always wanting one. That's always been on his bucket list. So finally, uh, last the last two years, he started searching for one. And last year, he found one. And it just so happens that he found it because my parents flew back to Poland for the summer and they, they came across one that was in the hometown that he grew up in, which is insane. So anyways, we imported it, uh, it took about a month, we got it here, uh, and now he's been tinkering on it, getting it up to spec. I keep telling him, hey, we need to ring it out for, for exotics at Redmond Town Center. You totally um, So hopefully, probably not, to, not, on, uh, not tomorrow, uh, but maybe next week or something like that, I'll have him bring it out. Yeah, because I think we we have two other ones. Because I mean, is is Blake's is that the same model? Yeah, I believe so. I believe his is a Polos, which is okay, I, uh, which is a little bit more okay. luxurious. But, but we don't. I mean, my point is, we don't DSs. see a ton. In no, stateside. no. It's, but it's, actually, there is a, a Facebook group. I think they're called like Citrones of Cascadia, and they have been great. I reached out to them initially when when we brought the car because the suspension wasn't. It wasn't settling the way it should, and we they immediately got got me in contact with the local Citroen expert, and it's stuff. It's it's kind of a, a community which I know we talked about in version one, like having this community uh, of people trying to help each other out, which is almost becoming, uh, uh, or at, at least I believe it's it's much more rare than it used to be. No, and I do want to touch on that later. We want to keep in the, the eclectic Pacific Northwest, but I, I kind of want to get back. So your father being a car guy. And has has put this on you. <laughs> it's trickled down. There are worse things. Um, and I you mean, ha- my mom might not think so. <laughs> well, I mean, like we always joke and say, if you introduce your kids to cars, they'll never have money for drugs. So, hey, that's a good one. You, you understand true. that after you know, all the beautiful work you've done on your uh, 90 M3. So, yeah, that was that turned out to be an excellent investment, though. E30 prices have just continued to rise. and It's not an investment. Gonna... He'll never sell it. No, but still. <laughs> but it's funny that you say, though, because, yeah, thinking back, you know, in early 2000s, that car was, was the prices were nowhere near what they are now. And so you buy this car because you like the look of it. You like the, the, the history of it. But the market never really appreciated up until, I think, what was the last five years that it just skyrocketed? I think one year, Haggerty was showing a 100% value increase. Like, that's insane. It's, that's kind of funny. Ashley's our next guest, actually, on our show from Haggerty. So, that'll so be you'll have to fact check me on that. I'm going to, but it's it's funny though because we we, we definitely, as you can tell, we don't fact check on this show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to refer back to it, but you know, uh, walk us through this because, like I said, 
I understand being being from the BMW side and and knowing the the vintage of that car and and loving that car. Why did you go with that car and and walk us through the story of how that car has become what it has? Well, initially, I grew up uh, looking on the forums. I think as any car enthusiast did in the nine. nine You're a late big supporter of forums. Like I, mean, I I I you know I've noticed the last couple of years the forums are dying, and I think a lot of that has to do with uh, Instagram and a lot of social media outlets like Facebook groups are now popping up, but it's not the same. And so I've always talked about forums because forums I think help you with a lot of technical information. You know, there's a lot of old guys that have been around for a long time that have had problems, the same problems you've had with your 20 year old car, you know? So, so forums are, yes, you take everything with a grain of salt. You can't trust everybody, but there's a lot of good knowledge on there. Here it is um, again. Somebody fell and interrupted our podcast. Stupid fire hopefully engine. Hopefully everybody's okay. His lights look ridiculous. We should get on a forum and warn some people. Yes. So, so anyway, so yes, I, I feel like the forums are, are crucial and I really would like to see them get a little bit more lively again. Um, well, I think we, the whole reason we started this is community anyway. That's why we brought you on here. That's why you're such a good person for this podcast. And that's and why you have a, it's just like, you're so nice. We're going to do it twice. No, it's just <laughs> when it comes to people in the community, I mean, people know you, especially BMW owners, but, and especially M3 owners, but it's, I know a lot of people who know John because of his car, but it's not because of his car. It's how they got introduced to him, but they know him because you're an expert. They respect your opinion on it. I mean, I don't know if, if yeah, I mean, you're giving me really high praise. I don't know if I necessarily get all of that. I really appreciate you saying that. And I can't, I can tell you, I've met a lot of people that have told me, hey, I've been inspired by this or this that you've shared. I guess that's what or, I'm getting at. Yeah. And, and so I, I've met many great people and, and the the attention that the car has received is, is kind of uh, a shock to me because I've done everything pretty simple, very simple. And to me, in my eyes, it's almost perfect. And it's taken me 12 years to get here. Um, but if you look at it, people are like, oh, well, you only did this and this. And so so there's there's always like that. Everybody's going to be a critic, you know. Um, but for me, overall, I feel like it's a very simple car. And that's the way I wanted it. Um, yet, it's been appreciated. And, and I have friends from all over the world now just because of this car, you know. No, but that's what, I mean, when, when that came out in 1990, that's the way BMW built it. It was a simple car with a bigger engine, lighter weight. That's what that's what the market was introduced to. Do you not agree? Well, the, the the whole point of that car was that the only reason they made it road legal, which is another reason why, like if we talk about M cars throughout the years, it, it's like they've, to me, it's it's nowhere near what it used to be because that car was on, was made specifically for the DTM races. So they had to, it was a homologation car. That means they had to make certain to race. So they had to limit the motor size to a smaller four cylinder to race in this, uh, in this division. So... Um, that car was very much a purpose-built car, and they let people have it on the street. And yes, a lot of people say, "Oh, it's underpowered now." Yes, I mean, it, it, it's now, a 2.3 liter yes, now it four is. cylinder. <laughs> then it wasn't with 200 horsepower. Yeah. But um, you know, that car has never been a straight line performer. Um, but to me, that car puts a smile on my face every time I get into it. I have the pleasure of driving some of the nicest and rarest cars in the world, and that car still is my go-to. Like if I have a stressful day or if I'm overwhelmed with something, I could go and just cruise in, in my M3 and I'll be happy. Whereas other cars don't do that for me. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. And I want to talk to you more about your build. And that's a, 
that's a huge topic that we can unwrap because there's a lot of things I love about your build. And I think I completely understand why people are so drawn to yours versus a lot of the other ones. So we'll be right back and we'll dive in. Hey everybody, this is Dan from Rain City Supercars. Rain City Supercars is brought to you by M Squared Fitness, personalized fitness and personalized performance. Nick and I are both members at M Squared and can personally testify to the great results. You can find M Squared Fitness at m2-fitness.com or on Facebook or Instagram at m2fitnessredmond. Mention Rain City Supercars and get your first visit free. But remember, you've got to mention Rain City Supercars. And we're back. So uh, let's get to the E30. Um, it's what you're known for, but there's more to it than that. Uh, I think one of the reasons that car is so famous is the fact that you simply didn't cut corners on it. And we talked about this. I don't know, we've talked about this with a bunch, I guess, actually. Just that instant gratification of that uh, cut corners build we see, especially when we th see anything with over fenders, with rare exception, stance or anything where it's just that I want it modded, I want to be popular, and I want it right now. And they lose so much in those builds because they cut so many corners. Well, we talked about this. We, we, we got soul. In, we, a soul we, of a car. Yes, we got yeah. into it quite a bit because... Uh, there's all sorts of different ways to modify a car and there to me there isn't a right or wrong way if you do it right so a style of a car like if you're going to do a low ride or if you're going to do you know an off-road uh rig or you're doing a uh, stance car you're going to do a track car whatever you do there i don't think there's a wrong way um a, a wrong choice i think there's a wrong way to do things and i think people rush especially now, um, I've noticed growing up now, I'm in my late 20s, and I feel like it's all about that instant gratification of, of hey, I'm going to throw these wheels on their replica wheels, but they look like the real deal. I'm going to slam this thing. Um, maybe it hits my fenders, and it's going to mess up my, my fenders, but it's going to get me attention right away. And people want that right away rather than saying, hey, if I get the right coiler set up, and I write the, uh, or if I get an airbag set up, I could dial it in perfectly and air out, and it'll be exactly stanced how I want it or, or whatever your thing may be. And I think that's what, what, what the issue is. And, and, but maybe I'm just the old guy now. No, you're not the old guy. And I, and I always see it as two classifications. There are these people and there are throughout the country and they buy a car and they take it to their, their local, you know, hot rodder or whatever it is. And, and they tell them to do the wheels and the, the suspension, the stereo system. And, and they do it for what they think is popular and what will help with their resale. And then there are people like John who builds a car for himself. You don't, you, you don't ever intend on selling that car because it's something, it's a part of you. And because of the way you have shown yourself through what you did with your car, it is your own style. And you have, you, I mean, you have, you've paid homage to a lot of people in that car and, and, and all the little details. But you didn't do it to get the attention. You did it because, like you said, you have a bad day, you get in that car, you know the work you've put into it, and you know how beautiful of a project you have created and something that is truly a part of your of your life and your family. It's a family member. I don't care. I mean, <laughs> if you're in the car I, no, world, I, it's a family member. I agree with yeah. you. I think there's certain cars that you use as, as a tool, and then there's cars that touch you in a way that you wouldn't think an, an object or a thing can. And that car has been a part of me for over 12 years. And I've gotten, I've gotten offers from a reasonable amount of money back in the day to crazy sums of money just last year. And, and I'll say no. And that's because a part of me, I feel would go with that car. And, and it sounds cliche, but, but I don't know if I'd ever be able to fill that void with anything else. And Dan, Dan's guilty of that. Dan has sold cars and he's gone, why did I sell that car? <laughs> I mean, we, we've all done it. Where you think at the time, 
this is what needs to happen. And you may get to that someday. I doubt you will with that car. Like, I'm, the way you believe in that and love that car is the way I kind of feel about my Triumph. No matter what, no matter the money I dump into it, it's the sentimental value, it's the time, it's the wrench time that I've put in. And I think wrench time comes down to it a lot in my mind. The people that don't put in the time. That's, I think that goes back to instant gratification because one, you, you could be, you know, you could be somebody that doesn't have a lot of money, um, and they're really busy and they tinker on their car and it's a, it's a really slow process, but you still love that and, and you put the money you do have into it. And then there's, there's also, I mean, I met people that have a lot of money and they could build the hottest car that's going to make it into a magazine that season. But as soon as that car's done, they're on to the next and that car's sold and they're building something else because they want attention. They want to be in the magazines. They want to be in the limelight. But at that point, it's just an accessory. Like, but the car doesn't belong to them. And, and the magazines I have noticed are catching on to that. When you see cars like that, it's not about who owns the car. It's about who built the car. Oh, yeah. This is it's, this person's car built by Yeah, built X, by. And there's no... And it, it's because they're not, like you said, they're, they're taking their time and they're going, we'll take an Aventador and they're putting, they're putting the Liberty Walk kit on it and they're doing the new exhaust and they're Let, putting the wing. I'm saying. Let's not get me started on that. Well, no, no, but, but I'm saying, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I know, I, mean, I can say three letters, it'll send you over the, uh, the, the border there. We'll, we'll be at freaking yeah. podcast 26, 27, and 28. That's fine. <laughs> but my point is you look at those magazines and it goes, this, this car is owned by this person, but these are the guys who built it, that put in the wrench time and, and looked at the person and said, this is what you should do to make good homage to this car. You know, it's funny. Just in the last break, so we're looking through a John Petrolicious article. It's in this. It's on the screen behind us as we're talking about it. We're talking about his wheels because he has these just freaking perfect VBS wheels, which were not just a process of buying a wheel and bolting them on the car. Like when you're getting a doing a build on this level and getting into this kind of detail, it's more than just buying a thing and putting it on, saving up, buying a thing and putting it on. It's not that simple. Um, Tell me about these wheels, because to the person who just walks by and says, that's a nice set of BBS wheels, you're like, yeah, it is, but it's not that simple. We will be posting pictures of these wheels throughout the next week, when, um, just so you know, but uh, it's a, so in the European car scene, the BBS RS is a staple wheel. It's kind of like, uh, what is it, like a, uh, like a Krager? Yeah, um, to the to the hot rod crowd. To yeah, the hot rod crowd or even the low rider crowd. Yeah, you know, Meg, it, yeah. It, it's it's a classic wheel or like a Dayton for the low rider uh, low rider groups. Like it's it's a classic wheel that people say, oh, this is overdone. This is overdone. Well, the BBS RS two twelve is the wheel that we're ta- we're referring to, and that is the the a slant lip, a true slant lip wheel, which it, the face of it is a sixteen and it steps it up to a seventeen inch. Um, so the big deal for me with these wheels is the fact that. They came from a car that inspired me when I was growing up. And that car, if anybody uh, is a Bimmer Forums fan or, or grew up uh, around the BMW scene, chances are you've seen it. It's, it's Dark Side E36 car. It's Paul Nguyen's car. He was the first one, one of the first guys that I knew stateside that had a, a set of BBS RS212 uh, wheel on their car. And everybody said it wouldn't work on an E36 because it's a 5 Series wheel. So the offsets, uh, we're going to rub it and whatnot. So anyways... These belong to him. He ran these on his car. He imported them from Germany. Uh, I acquired them. Uh, unfortunately, his car was totaled when it was parked. Uh, a driver hit the back of his car, totaled his car, and I reached out when I saw he was parting it out. And he sold me the wheels, and at the time, they were in pieces, and uh, the bolts, he, you know, he mentioned, hey, you're probably going to need to get new bolts. Um, and there are aftermarket sources you can get new bolts for, and they're all nice and shiny and chromed and whatnot. Well... 
I didn't want that. I wanted the original hardware. So I ended up repolishing each of the bolts myself, uh, polishing the lips myself, and having the faces repowder coated just to kind of bring them back to their old glory. Um, so no, it's not a crazy set of wheels that you know that took a lot of time. I'm running a, a certain set of spacers to make them look the way I do. I'm running the camber to, to make the car look the way I felt in my eyes looks perfect and pays homage to, to DTM. Um, but to me, that is a timeless wheel. No, it's perfect. And I, you're not alone in that opinion. A lot of people have, uh, I say a lot of people, almost everybody who sees your cars comments on them. But I mean, I wasn't just kissing your ass earlier. This is what I was talking about when I say modding cars the right way and doing things right. And what sets you apart from other builders is the little details because you've got a story that goes with every piece of your car, every piece that's unique, every piece that's different has a story and that is what people look for. It's not the instant gratification. That'll get you five minutes of fame. This will get you a lifetime of it. And I don't mean fame. I just mean of status of respect. People look at you and see your build and be like, this is somebody who put some thought into this. This has meaning. That like is something you, we've lost. Like you said, the knowledge base that he built up by being on the forums, learning the learning what he wanted to learn and going down the trace. I got to ask, how many bolts are in each one of those wheels? It's actually funny because I, I couldn't tell you. I think it's 36. 36. Yeah, wheel. I think it's 36. Um, wow. But no, it's funny. I was like... Yeah, I, I at a certain point it. you're just you know, polishing bolts. <laughs> I think I think one thing that I'd really like to do is is uh, is actually start um, taking classes for welding and and learning actually how to fabricate things. I think to become uh, a little bit more, even more hands on, um, because uh, to say a builder is such a um, to me, I think it's like a privilege, you know, to be yeah. a builder to build something to to fabricate something. I think you know, in a way, yes, I'm throwing on parts, but I. I everything's very technical for me. Like I don't have tons of money. So to me, I have to think about what I'm going to spend money on and what is worth. And so there's certain parts that I know are worth it. And I will, I will save up for those parts. And because to me, the vision isn't complete until the car is perfect in my eyes, in my eyes only. There's a lot of critics out there. People are going to always criticize you for everything. uh, And you just can't, you got to go above that and enjoy and do this for yourself. So there's the question. Will it ever be perfect? I I think for it to be perfect, I still no, it won't be perfect. In my mind, I look at it and I go, yeah, that's that's, that's, that's pretty that's, perfect. If it had wings, it could be an angel. But no, I mean but that's but that's it. I could pick it apart and and you know what? And I I actually I have OCD, and so when my car wasn't painted first, and and so I had to repaint fresh repaint done last year by JMI Motoring, Jeff Miller, yeah. Sean Edwards. They put in a lot of time to helping me make this car look the way it does now in terms of paint quality, and we did uh, we did a um, side marker delete. Um, which actually is a funny story. The side markers only came in on the U.S. spec cars, and they're on the side of the bumper, and all it is is an indicator light. Well, the European versions didn't have that, and it looks way cleaner. So we actually used uh, Sean Edwards. He had, if you know, he, he built a lot of Hondas. Yeah. So he had this Acura, this JDM front bumper. Well, we took pieces of this bumper to use as parts to fill in my uh, my bumper. So now it's it's this joke that he does like, oh, you have JDM pieces on your car. <laughs> um, so we use parts of that that plastic bumper to fill those in and, and shave it the right way. Um, That's funny. I got a good story about that. So uh, did you ever see Jeff's FC? I did not. Okay, so back in the day, you know, I had my FD RX-7. Jeff had an FC, and a very nice one at that. Uh, he wanted a custom front bumper, and this is back in the day in the 90s, so body kits had just become a thing. But knowing Wings Je- West. Right. So, of course... <laughs> 
Jeff would never do something. I stole so many of those back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff would never do something that cheesy to one of his cars. So his FC, he took a uh, Integra Type R front bumper, cut it in half, narrowed it, molded it to the lip of his FC until it looked almost stock. I'll post a picture up. And the only picture I have is one I scanned of an old, like, uh, four by six photo I have of our cars side by side. And it's one of the, like, if you. If you know cars and you know JDM, you're like, that looks familiar. But nobody puts it out like, oh, that's that. And that's what you get with Jeff. He's like looking at it. Looking, he's like, I can make that work. And it looks factory. It looks awesome. It's That's what's incredible. Is that a one-of-a-kind thing? Yeah. Totally. No one's ever done it. No one's ever done it. See, and that's thinking outside the box. That's finding a way. Yeah. And then, like I said, people are going, what? That doesn't sound right. I'll post a photo. You guys will see what I mean. It's, 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 it's an impressive thing. And this is back when he was 20. Yeah, we think, were kids. I think that's yeah, like, the way I do things. I'm noticing like a an RX7, like you know, stapled to the side. Right. This will work. We'll just pull on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's that thinking outside the box. It's cool. Um, yeah, so tell me about you know your your Benz isn't running, but I have some old photos of you that I post. Uh, they're on the page. You guys will see them. The thing is freaking sweet. I still love this car, and I really want it to be like. Roy, yeah. you need to pay the boy more money. I'm just saying, I love his cars. <laughs> yeah, so so the 66 Mercedes took me about two years to find. And the reason, um, growing up, my dad had a 66 Mercedes that he purchased. And it was a 1966 250S, which is a W108 sedan. Um, and he had this brown one, man. It was such an ugly color. But, Mercedes um, makes great brown cars. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so in San Diego, I remember he put it together because it had some damage on it and he fixed it up. And I remember cruising in that car and I actually drove in that car when I had my permit, you know, and we ended up selling it. And what's funny to this day, I'm like, man, we shouldn't have sold all those parts. We had a bunch of bumpers, um, all these wood pieces for that car that we gave away when we sold that car. And at that time, you could find a lot of W108s at the junkyard, you know? And now, when I, I it took me two years to find another 66 that I that I felt was to the in the condition I wanted it. And now, you're, you, go, you go to find those wood pieces and people want like 400 bucks for them on eBay and you don't know if the ones that they're selling are even are even worth putting on. It's just ridiculous how difficult these parts are. So anyways, so the 66 I acquired and that car wasn't running. It was actually, I found it on Craigslist and the photos, looking back at the photos, the car was very sad. <laughs> it was just covered in moss. Uh, the inside had about two inches of water. Like you could throw a goldfish in there and it would survive. And so it was at a at a gentleman's it's house. A very who, good description. Sorry, yeah, that's, I was just like, I just, that's a good visual. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so so yeah, just imagine this little goldfish swimming around in, in your footwell. Um, no, so so I it was down in like it was down in like, geez, like Puyallup or something somewhere south and. Um, anyways, he drove a, a tow truck. That's what he did, and this somebody had owned it, and they just whatever left it at his at his place. So I had purchased the car not running because it was straight the interior was clean yes a little wet but it was clean and uh we <laughs> brought enough. it we brought it back and 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 dug into it and it was a a project that me and my dad took on uh, it needed another transmission at the time there was a gentleman his name was rob ben's friends in uh burian now this guy was a guru old school guy but he had all the parts um now you can't find them they actually uh the the owner of the property uh wouldn't resign with him. So all these parts, I'm pretty sure they went to the crusher, which is really sad because he had just a collection of old Mercedes parts. Um, so put it together and I dailyed it for about a year. Uh, so I drove that car for a year on cut springs. I cut the springs because at that time I didn't know 
enough about Air Ride, and nobody really in the States was doing the W108 chassis. I did chassis. that with my old Scirocco. You just don't know. Well, what's funny is is now there's a full kit. You can go online. You I did it with a 92 Subaru Legacy Wagon. <laughs> don't do it with a 92 Subaru Legacy Wagon. <laughs> well, you could Google now, and you could find an Air Ride kit for that car oh, pre-made. And, and at the time, you couldn't. So... So anyways, so I drove it every day and that car, the amount of attention that car got, I was baffled because I bought it because my dad had one. I thought it was cool. And I grew up in Southern California, so there's a lot of low riders in my neighborhood and, and I wanted to do, hey, I love German cars, but I love how low these low riders sit. So I made it as low as I possibly could. Um, now that we're re, I'm, I'm putting the car back together, it's gonna be lower. So what you see in the photos, it's gonna be lower than that. Gonna air ride this thing down to the frame? Well, we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna notch it if I have to. We're gonna nice. make this thing sit as low as possible. I'm looking forward on to air it. though. It is gonna be air ride because I do plan on taking it down to San Diego, driving down to San Diego. Um, I got a, a, a homie in the LA area with a really nice W108 as well. So I'd really like to do a shoot together with him. So I'm gonna drive down to San Diego. It's twelve hundred mile twelve hundred mile trip in that car once it's on air and and motors in and whatnot. Dan and I have volunteered to drive the Land Cruiser behind you. Yeah. Oh, we won't need that. That with, Land with Cruiser will probably break down. With a trailer. Well, we'll tow, we'll tow something. We'll drive. You can drive your Can Land you Cruiser imagine yours. that visual? A Mercedes with a trailer behind it with a Land Cruiser on top. <laughs> Those, yeah. that, that not possible in that car. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry to crush your dreams. However, that, those inline sixes are bulletproof. Yeah. Like those, that was back when Mercedes made cars to last and not to break every 10,000 miles. So what's wrong with the car right now? Uh, right now, well, I removed the motor and I was having, uh, it had, what had happened was from one of the drains, it had uh, broken off, caused rust. Well, I had the rust repaired and I had the whole engine bay repainted. So now I just have to put the motor back in. Issue is the car is not at the house anymore. I have to rent a garage for it. I ran out of room. So the car is away from where I'm at. So it's all, it's about getting to it. It's amazing how we'll pay no matter what it costs each month to keep a car clean. But, you know, going to the drugstore to make sure we, you know. Well, it's like, well, I don't I want to save the money. <laughs> hey, priorities. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you can't drive your car if you're dead. We don't know if I'm going to die. <laughs> this isn't that serious. Exactly. <laughs> there are parts falling off. The car or me? <laughs> um, let me jump back. I know I'm bouncing around a little bit, but back to your E30. Uh, give me a list of like, I know you can't list every single mod, but like your favorite stuff that you've done to this thing. Well, a lot of that is, is there's going to be a lot of aesthetics, obviously, you know, wheels, coilovers to, that's a simple kind of uh, a thing to do, but I got ground control coilovers uh, at the time. I think S14.net was a forum that I frequented a lot. It's a forum uh, devoted to the E30 M3. And at the time when I was on the forums, the ground control seemed to be the way a lot of the guys were going for, for track setups. And I wanted to make my car... Um, stiff, drivable, but I was okay with it being pretty darn stiff. Yeah. Uh, I do a lot of back road driving. Don't, don't track the car. Originally, the goal was to track the car. I'm not planning on, I don't think I'm going to plan on tracking it now, but I do a lot of back road spirited runs. As you know, we it's did like, one together last year. Yeah. I, he, first couple rock chips were because of Dan. I don't know if I mentioned yeah, I that to you, Yeah, I was conveniently Nick. left off that invite. I don't know why, but continue on. Uh, so anyways, so, um, the BBS wheels are, are huge for me. Uh, that was a wheel growing up. BBSs were always my favorite wheel, RS wheel. So um, overall, I think the DTM cup mirrors were a huge upgrade to the car. Yeah, those look awesome um, on there. Th but the, the Evo splitter, the front end, it has an adjustable splitter on the front. That is a, a piece that really tied the whole car together. Um, the evolutions came with that, which were in Europe. Uh, 
Eisenman exhaust. I went through three exhaust systems. The Eisenman is my favorite. Uh, it's kind of a refined growl. Um, if you know inline four cylinders, they start rasping and it just sounds terrible. Yeah. Um, so that car I've been, uh, the Eisenman I've been very happy with. Um, but a lot of the stuff you just won't notice. Like unless you're an E30 M3 fan, you won't, it's like, oh, it's a BMW that's lowered. All right. So let's talk about a modification that I actually questioned. Um, and maybe you can give us a short story on the engine, on the valve covers and what color you painted them and why. So I went with a, uh, a gold powder coat on the valve covers. Uh, usually they come black and then the lettering is, is just sanded down so it's silver. Um, I went with gold. Um, I wanted the motor to, to kind of pop and e they call the E30 M3 God's chariot. Um, so gold was very appropriate and I left the lettering um, gold as well because there's a, an uh, another person off the forums that I followed, his build very closely, it was Gustav. And if you're an E30 M3 fan, you'll know Gustav's site. If you don't, then you're missing out on a lot of information. So he was an, an, an air, I believe he was an aircraft engineer or or literally like a rocket scientist, like something extreme. And, and he built this car and his whole goal was to make it perfect in cornering and in track and so seat positioning and all these little technical data well his valve cover was just black and he made these little brackets for the spark plugs so the spark plug the way each spark plug um, goes into to the motor and then the wires run uh, BMW made this cover that cinches them up super tight well he was realizing that that's not an efficient way to do it so he made this little bracket that makes them more uh um, separated. And so I ended up purchasing one of his brackets. Um, so it's this, it, they call it the Gustav bracket. Um, so I decided, Hey, I'm going to leave this like this. And it's kind of like an homage to anybody that would know, maybe it's like a little tip of the hat, you know? Absolutely. I mean, and, and, and paying homage to those who've come before us and given us the ideas that be, be that crazy or mild and, and, very, Let them know that you're listening. Yeah, I, I think it, it's very simple, and, and most people probably won't notice it. But you know what? I know it, and and that's good enough for me. And that's noticed, what makes you special. It. I mean, the color makes you notice it, but I mean, yeah. the story behind it. Well, I never pop my motor. Um, you know, I don't. Uh, the engine bay. You know, I drive the car, so the engine bay is is dirty always. Basically, you know, I'll, you could wipe it down, but it's not it's not a show car. Um, so it's very rare to see my my motor popped uh, if at any kind of car event. Which is crazy to me because it's literally the nicest E30 M3 I've ever seen. And you're like, it's not a show car. I know you've got your rock chips from me. Sorry. I, 335, 25 tend to throw a little bit of rock, but. Well, you see, when you're trying to keep up with a car that has 400 more horsepower than you, you know. 450. <laughs> wow. That was just, that just sounded, you just sound like a now. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> No, so uh, those of you who follow my other page, uh, Dan's Drives, the North End Tour uh, is the drive I did with Jeff Miller in his 964 America and uh, and John here with his E30 M3. So that's one of the photos I have up. I think I spoke speak for him and I. If we could get in front of your vet, we'd give you some rock chips. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily for me, I have some Expel. So uh, although this my, guy. my yeah. windshield... You're right. He sounds like a, there's no, there's It's not his fault. <laughs> My windshield looks like it's been sandblasted at this it, it point. It probably comes with, uh, it's like a little packet they send you when you buy a Corvette. Oh, <laughs> he's not wrong. He's so not wrong. The DB package? Yeah. 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 Actually, yeah. you know, one positive thing is, so 
actually one positive thing and really one negative thing. So one positive, positive thing I have to say is that uh, Corvette factory actually monitors the Corvette forum. They have engineers that are on the forum that will respond to questions when the C8 was, uh, the C8's coming out. And when the C701 came out, they literally had guys from Chevrolet corporate engineers answering questions. It's pretty amazing how fast people will report a giant problem, like the heat soak problem that's in the Z06s and how they addressed it was like, okay, I'm an engineer from Chevy. This is what we did to correct it. Here's what we can do for you guys who are experiencing it. And it's like 1% of people with Z06s anyway. But it's still, it's cool that they understand that their audience is older, uh, which is a good thing and a bad thing. But the fact that they address it directly on the forums, you don't see that from a lot of manufacturers. I got to hand them credit for it. Like that's one good thing Chevy's doing. The oh, Germans no. do it. We just don't know what the hell they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's actually great. And and I think that goes back to our forum chat where there's a lot of information out there. And I think if if more manufacturers had engineers that were chiming in on these forums, maybe that would well, also... And the funny thing is, so like on the... You'll learn this from the... Because uh, John just bought a uh, 99... 99? Yeah, 99 LX470. <laughs> Which is the same. I have a 99 he, Land Cruiser. He bought a Lexus. Let's be it, honest. No, no, no. It is a Land Cruiser it's a, Land a tuxedo. Cruiser <laughs> is the headlights and if you go on i hate mud a bunch of the dealers are on there because they realize that if they give people a discount everybody will buy from them so everybody knows like you want toyota parts oh you go to camelback toyota i don't even know where that is i just go to their website and order parts because they're cheaper than everywhere else and everybody on the forum who's got a land cruiser goes to them because they know yeah i think that's i think bmw atlanta has the same thing like people order parts from bmw atlanta because they have a lot of like i don't know if the parts guy there or somebody has uh, some parts that they get from germany you know what i mean and and it's it's that's very smart. All right. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back, and I, I want to kind of talk about I want th- this forums conversation kind of wants to lead me into the Pacific Northwest and some of the car culture here and some of the things you wouldn't expect. Uh, we'll be right back. Good call. Hey, this is Nick from Rain City Supercars. This part of the podcast is brought to you by M Squared Fitness. Personalized fitness, personalized performance. Find M Squared Fitness online at m2-fitness.com. Mention Rain City Supercars, get your first session free. And we're back. Uh, John, uh, one thing I want to talk about, and I want to go back into, I should say, is the forums. And I want to talk about the car culture in the Pacific Northwest. Because, I mean, a pretty good example is your dad buying that car and then being able to have a car culture here that supports it, even though it, it may be small. It's here. And, and, we, and Dan and I have talked about this before. So many people don't understand. They think it rains here all the time, and it does. Californians, stay away. Except you. We'll take you. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Just you. Everybody else leave. <laughs> Everybody go back. Eventually, California will be its own uh, country here. Nah, soon, it'll so. just fall into the water, and the world will be a better place. But anyway. They're on a fault line. Eventually, they're going to cruise up here. That's the problem. <laughs> the car culture up here. I mean, let's talk a little bit about it. Like, I mean, obviously, you know... We, those of us around here know about exotics and they know about there's there's a very strong stance culture here you know the pedophiles of the car world and there's a very Juggalos, strong i mean bronies nambla members no but no you're <laughs> absolutely right though because i remember um when i first uh, you know growing up you you want to meet like-minded people and people that appreciate cars you know you go to high school and it's just like everybody has their own thing and you know at my high school you know there's the mustang crowd the jdm crowd and by jdm crowd you know they're mostly hondas and lifted trucks and stuff like that so um bmw was very much not i don't think i know anybody that had a bmw um and that was an enthusiast at the high school that i went to i went to high school here for two years in washington so i went to uh at that time 
uh, S14.net, Rev Limited, and BIM Reforms were, were on my um, on my desktop always. And so I started these. I started going to these meets that was at the time at the Alderwood Mall, and it was just BMW guys meeting up on like a Wednesday, and I met some cool guys that way. Um, and then eventually I started throwing meets at Muckleteo. So at the Muckleteo Beach, we used to do bonfire meets, and we'd meet up there, and then we. Once the once the sunset, we started a bonfire and we all just talked and we you know just just talked cars, talked whatever, and it was a great time. And eventually, you know, you get older, you go to you start going to to college or whatever, you start working, and time for that drifts away. And forums have slowly started to kind of deteriorate. Um, but you meet a lot of great people through um, through these meets. And so kind of to go back to my dad in the Citroen, you know, I messaged uh, the Citroens of Cascadia Facebook group and they immediately, you know, these were a lot of them were older gentlemen, you know, Citroen has, has a more mature audience. Oh, I understand that I'm part of the triumph group and I'm the youngest by centuries. (laughs) Well, youngest, huh? (laughs) So, Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. Even I'm starting to hate myself. <laughs> no, no, so so um, they say to the Corvette owner, <laughs> I'm still I'm still looking forward to actually meeting up. You know, because the Citroen there's the Citroen Club that that meets up too. So we haven't done that yet. I really would. It'd be nice to put faces to to the names and whatnot. Um, but but no, the community up here, people don't realize some of the nicest, rarest cars in the world are here in the Pacific Northwest. Working at Cats Exotics has opened me up to to a lot of people that I wouldn't have met, and a lot of collectors here that that have amazing cars and a lot of one-off stuff that people don't you don't think of. Oh, in Washington they have cool stuff. You think oh, Bill Gates has a nine five nine. You know what I mean? But overall, you don't see this because we have the rainy I mean, season how many of uh, the, the original gto's do we have in the area between portland here i mean there's three or four i was saying at least i know at least three yeah. right off the top of my head i know yeah. three gto's here it's funny though because it, speaking of um we haven't touched too much on your your job but i mean you work at cats exotics they're literally the dealership in the world if you want a lamborghini uh yeah we, used market, we I mean. specialize in the rare unique Lamborghinis, more of the vintage stuff. Right now we have a lot of Diablos, a lot of 6.0s. You know, we have a one of one Diablo in stock and, and that's what we specialize in. But we do, you know, obviously there's a lot of other unique cars that, that come through um, our doors as well. Right, my um, GTR. Uh, let's go back through our guests here. So Kevin Flynn, his Murcielago. Kevin Beach. Great he, guy, both great guys. Yeah, Kevin Beach, his twin turbo Gallardo. The and, Performante, yeah. that thing is sweet. Uh, Chad and Amanda with their uh, Bel Air. Did Kevin get his MP4-12C through, Roy? I don't, I don't, I don't recall if he did, but I sold the MP4 for him. Yeah, you sold yeah. Yeah, for the yeah. uh, For I the Performante. Yeah. And myself um, and my GTR. That's four just from our podcast that I've dealt with uh, you or cats directly. So, I mean, that's a pretty cool thing that you're working there. Like, it, it's a... Roy does a great job of standing behind his sales, doing a good job as a person, being straightforward, and obviously so do you, so hat tip to you guys free plug there because we've all been happy customers we keep coming back well Katz has always done the research that is something that's known the fact that he doesn't bring cars in unless he knows the history of them or you should I should say you guys don't bring cars in you know between you know uh, Jonathan and Roy um, they, the, 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 it's, it's all quality cars you don't have to question like you said when you went up there to buy the GTR it was very simple because the car had been researched they knew what was wrong with the car what wasn't wrong with the car it was a very perfect car you didn't have to sit there and 
take it, you know, and so many times when you buy a used car, you have to, from one dealership, you have to then pay to take it to someplace else, have it looked at, things like that. It takes extra cost and extra money and extra time. You don't have that at Cats. Yeah. So. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but that's, that's also something I noticed, you know, I worked, uh, for Audi for a while, which is also a university Audi, which was a privately owned dealership. And that was great. Um, I've worked there for eight years and, and an opportunity came up at cats, uh, Travis Kainkanal, one of uh, my best friends is, uh, is a photographer there. He's the content manager there. And so I knew they were looking for somebody. And, uh, so I went and interviewed with Jonathan and Roy and, and I've been there for almost four years now. Wow. Yeah. Almost four years. Um, so, so yeah, no, I, that's, that's something that, you know, I get, calls from all over the world. I sell cars to people all over the world and a lot of them are sight unseen. They buy because of the reputation and that's because we're limited to how many cars we have. So why should we bring in something that, you know, at, at the end of the day, Roy Katz, Katz Exotics, that's his last name. That's his name literally on the building. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's his reputation. And, and one thing that, that I take very seriously is I, his money, I, I, it's my money, right? If we're gonna take in a car, I need to make sure, would I buy this car for this amount? You know what I mean? So so I think it becomes more of a personal thing, like, hey, this car isn't worthy of being here, or this car is worthy of being here. Well, you talk about some of the cars in, the, in this area, and we've talked about some of the GTOs, but some of this, just the, some of the stuff that crossed across your parking lot, like, you know, he's, he's had the Coney's like CCX there. He had one of his, the favorite cars that I've ever seen come through Roy's dealership, which is a Lamborghini F1 car which was incredible. Oh, I mean, some awesome. of the Diablos, his very rare <laughs> Diablo GTR that was, it was a, was a one owner. Was it a one owner car that was painted with the American flag? Oh, the SVR. The SVR. SVR. I'm sorry. Yes. SVR. So, so I think there's, if I remember correctly, there were 24 of them made. Um, and the only way you can purchase one is if you raced it in the Lamborghini circuit at that time. Um, as mo most people know, Lamborghini doesn't do, you know, Lamar or these races that you see Ferrari, Porsche at, they, so they have their own little, their own little circuit that they do. Well, in order to buy that car, the gentleman was in Florida and he bought the car and it was painted like that. Um, uh, from my understanding, it was painted like that in Italy. Uh, and it was raced and because it was the American flag, it became kind of like the poster child for that circuit. Uh, and it came here, I believe it first was on the East coast and then Roy acquired it probably seven, eight years ago now. And what's really cool is he took that thing on the, uh, was it the players run? Yeah. Um, so he, he, he did a full, you know, 2000 plus mile trip. Roy in took car. a race car and uh, that's so weird. <laughs> the <laughs> same guy that put uh, snow tires on his, uh, SV six speed and drove it up into the mountains. Yup. <laughs> yup. And you know what you see, there's very few people that drive their cars. And that I think is one of my favorite parts about, uh, working for Roy is he's like, Hey, these are not made of watercolor. These won't melt in the rain. They won't melt in the snow, drive them, enjoy them. And guess what? The cars will love you for it. You know, if you put, if you stack miles on a car, one of his Diablo has like 30,000 miles is Oh one. And that's just, you want to drive them. Speaking of rare me. cars. I mean, let's talk about a car that's going to make an appearance. Thanks to Roy Katz this weekend. Right. This is a, uh, you guys are hearing this on Friday. Uh, the fourth and opening day of exotics is the fifth for the season, which is going to be awesome for everybody. Uh, Roy is going to bring out his saline S seven, uh, which twin turbo twin turbo. Yeah. Like, that's one of those cars you're never going to see. Like you, you don't just drive down the road and see an S seven. You might as well, I mean, you're probably a better luck seeing a McLaren, uh, F one that is, uh, it's going to be a day. Uh, I was going to say, I, I forgot John Eltringham also has bought in cars from Roy. That's 
five of our guests, I think, that have bought cars from Roy, and we've only had, I think, nine or ten. That's a, that's a pretty good uh, good <laughs> yeah. ratio there. Yeah, so he's doing some service yeah. there. I also was going to say, uh, you're a perfect fit. Do you know Steve Steve Theodore personally? I have not, actually. I do not know Steve Theodore personally. I'm sitting here talking to you, we're doing this interview, and I keep thinking to myself, who does John remind me of? And I mean, John and I are friends, so it's kind of a weird thing for me to say, but it, you and Steve are, that's why people like you remind me of each other is you have that same kind of outlook on cars and in the community that like, Oh, if you have a go-to, it's not that Steve knows everything there is about Supras. He probably knows more than anybody else for that matter, but super Steve, super Steve, right. Our guest number two on the podcast here, but you guys are that type. Like if, if somebody had a question about a super, and he didn't know, it's not a matter of, Oh, he's the guy to go ask you to know. It's because they'll come to you because he's the guy who will find out. He has the connections. He knows who to talk to. He has the history. Uh, it's, it's an amazing difference on what sets people like you and Steve apart from the community. That that's really kind of you to say. You know, I feel like for we got this weird look around the table. Are you going to say something, Nick, or are you just going to look at me funny? No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm going to let him accept the compliment because I I think this one's actually true. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's no, just waiting good. for his jab. Then again, yeah. I'm hated by most of the room. For only because you don't know, understand the Fast and the Furious series. Also, Alexa, your own device. Oh, isn't now it's going to It's going to be like, what did you say? I didn't Hold on, that. I just gained somebody back. <laughs> <laughs> no, she no. will remain nameless. No. What I was going to say is, is no, that that's a compliment to me because you know, I when it comes to if I know something about uh, a certain topic or whatever, I try to share that with anybody that may ask um, because I feel like that's kind of, you know, you growing up you have certain things you want to find out and you find out from certain people. And a lot of people, at least in my life, have shared information, valuable information to me uh, for free or, you know, and I feel like that's kind of me uh, continuing that and, and, and bringing what little, you know, what little community that I may have a footprint in to, to light and, and help people um, understand that, I'm going off on a tangent. There. No, you, you, you're, you're not going off a tangent. The Pacific Northwest is a perfectly good example of the fact that if someone who has the knowledge feels that you're, you're worthy well, and, and, and care you enough. genuinely are wanting yeah. an answer versus you just Then you're going to get the answer here. And you will yeah. get not only an answer, but you will get a million dollar answer. And to the point where in this community, somebody will go, not only am I going to tell you, I'll show up at your house and help you. Because you have a passion that I share. And that was something that I really wanted to touch base on when you were talking about the clubs around here. People are in clubs. They're in the Citroen clubs, the BMW clubs. But many of the meets out here are everything. It's, it's, it's guys that have the passion for cars, guys and girls. You know, as, as Jay Leno says, if it goes fast and explodes and makes noise, I'm a fan. It, sure. It's a passion for automotive, not necessarily a passion. But, they, but then they do split off into their, into their own individual groups. Absolutely. I think there's, you know, everybody's going to love a certain brand of car or whatnot, and, and everybody's going to have their own views on that. But at the end of the day, I think, yeah, you're right. If it has four wheels and a, and a steering wheel, then, then usually you could appreciate it. Or I think, in my opinion, anybody, any enthusiast should be able to appreciate somebody's uh, hard work or somebody's vision if it's done, once again, the correct way um, and, and in a clean way. Um, however, it's, it's also, excuse me, um, it, it, it's also another thing. I lost it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I know what he's getting at. I'm not going to cut it because I know what he's getting at. When you see people who put so much time and effort into something that is completely wrong, like I've seen guys dump in thousands of dollars to wheels that don't fit 
around brake calibers. So what do they do? They shave the calipers down. I've seen that happen. That's a stance thing. I've seen guys who don't get wheels and tires. That seems safe. Oh yeah. So they do the stretch and then they have the blowouts on the freeway. Um, like God forbid you give it an evasive maneuver and they'll, they'll spend money on this. This is not a, a, a they're, they're working hard. They're the stance putting, guys though are only using half their tires, Dan. So they're saving the environment. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, I'm just saying it's cut, it's cutting corners in a weird way. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's not endangering the, re- the public. I'm going to say it. <laughs> I think, I think there's also a balance though. I mean, you could go, I mean, you could even look at the photo. Like I'm actually looking at it right now. The, the petrolicious feature, you could see. I'm running 205s in the front on an eight and a half. You're not going to debead that eight and a half, though. No, absolutely not. But there's stretch to it. So if you go back, like there's going to be somebody out there that's going to say, "Oh, this car is has stretched tires." Not to the extent that you're talking about, but in in a way, it still does. And so somebody's going to see that as wrong. Well, to me, I've pushed that car to to my own limits. And maybe it's limits. I don't know. I've never had anybody else drive my car to its limits, you know, so it's hard for me to tell, but I know what I can do in that car. Go ahead, please. Oh, I was just, I'll no, Dan that, wants to vo- drive your car to its limits. Oh, oh, yeah, really yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> no, no, he's no. Like, no. I, I don't, it's, it's tit for tat. That means you can take the vet. <laughs> I've driven those vets. I'm okay. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, to be fair, he's driven way nicer cars than I will ever own. I have no problem admitting that. No, that those the, the Z06, actually Z07 vets are fantastic cars. Yeah. So there's no there's no taking away from that. But what, what I appreciate about my car is the fact that I appreciate it for what it is. You know, a lot of guys are doing motor swaps and whatnot because because the car is underpowered. It has it doesn't have a, a a great torque range unless it really doesn't open up until after fifty five hundred RPM. And you're not driving in the streets of Bellevue doing fifty five hundred RPM unless you're one of those guys that want, needs attention every minute of the day with your car. You know, final I mean? shift. Stop looking. At <laughs> See, I, I'll never get that. Like, <laughs> I, if you're you the are, you're the person that has problems shifting in your car. If, <laughs> if you guys ever go down to Alki on a nice weekend. Why the guys are, are keeping it in second gear or, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't care, dude. Like, calm down. No, it's one of those things like if you ever have to search for glory, you'll never find it. If you ever have to ask for attention, you're never going to get the right kind. If you ever have to ask for uh, approval, you're never going to get it. It comes you, with the territory. That, Thanks, Confucius. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Man who stands on toilet, high on pot. <laughs> That's pretty See, that's good. how I can take something beautiful that Dan just said and just totally turn it me. It's a, yeah. it's a talent. Now, the point we were getting curse. back to with the community that John is so good at, Steve is so good at, guys like that are so good at, the reason they have those respects is because they never stop giving. That doesn't mean give foolishly. It doesn't mean waste your time. That means that you receive a certain sense of satisfaction and approval from giving back to the community. And I don't think, I don't think we have as much of a problem here as I've seen in other states. As I've gone around, like Nick and I go, a lot, we've talked about this before. We spend a lot of time out of state in California and things like that, where the car shows are so huge, so opulent, and there's so much money into that status that the funny thing is, is I don't remember those guys. There's guys that'll pull up in a Huracan, a brand new Huracan or something, or McLaren or Ferrari or whatever. And I'm like, I don't give a crap who you are anymore because you didn't make an impression because you weren't nice. You just showed up and were like, check me out and look what I've got. I'm like, nobody really cares, man. One of the most arrogant things I've ever heard in the car community, I and mean, I don't care if I make enemies with this, is we were down in California one time, and I'm not even sure if Dan was there, and I was at a, a Lamborghini thing during car week, and all these Mercy guys came in with their doors up, <laughs> driving in, and I went, why did you do that? And he goes, because it shows everybody that I have more money than the guys that owe their doors open regularly. And I was like, wow. 
I was like, that is a move. Do you know that the reason why this the, the Lambo doors happen is because the Countach, in order to back up into a parking spot, you actually had to sit on the, the door sill to oh, back yeah. up. Yeah. So that was very purpose. It's and then functional. it became, now yeah. it's a music video thing. But to say something like that is embarrassing. Like, I'd be embarrassed to... to Trust me, the guy that, that said it had the, you know, the bedazzled jeans and the... I that, mean, that's usually how it goes, and and that's actually a really good uh, other topic because in in the community of exotic cars, you also get a lot of egos. Um, there's there's big egos to to this to this world as well, and I think it's not even exotic cars. I think it's any car. Everybody wants to this one upmanship where it's like, where where is the hey you have this car that's cool. I really like to have it. You know, like I I kind of want to go back to, to to Kevin Flynn actually because. When he yeah, purchased his, <laughs> when he purchased his two thousand, uh, his 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 Murcielago, he, I remember chatting with him about this, and and I remember him telling me, hey, yeah, I went to this meet, and and this kid really liked my car. He's like, so I opened up the door for him, and I was like, yo, grab a seat in it, and the kid, that like that made that kid's year probably. Yeah. And guess what? Kevin could have very well been like, yeah, it's a freaking Lambo, bro. You know what I mean? It's like the doors open up. I have more money than you. What? Like who? No, he didn't. You know why? Because he has class and he's also a car enthusiast. Yeah, for sure. And, Agreed. And, and that's the difference is like, hey, I need to buy this car so I could pick up chicks. Like that's <laughs> that's so sad. Like, like buy the car because you love the car. Buy the car because it was a poster on your wall when you were growing up and now something to aspire to. Don't say you bought this car to prove to somebody else that you're important. <laughs> like that's such a, a backwards way of doing because the it. people who you want to be important to will never be impressed by something like well, that. That and the people that are important in life, they don't know they're important. <laughs> yeah. Well, they just, even if they do, it's it's not their driving force. I, sure. And there's it's so rare in exotics. When we do Redmond Town Center, most people are, 99% of people are super nice and humble and they're just happy to be there and they love the community and that's the whole reason they show up. They don't show up and stand by their car with a chair and be like, look at me and look what I've got. They walk away from their car and they're like, I'm gonna go see what else is. Yeah, I don't think I've ever gone to RTC and was like, wow, that guy's that guy's a dick or this this girl was was totally rude to this oh, person. Oh, they exist. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. they don't. I'm you saying just, from yeah. my experience, I have never witnessed that. And and if I did, I'm pretty sure I'd be like, dude, you're like straight what? up. Like if you do that to to a child, a, a kid or, or anybody for that matter, it's like, dude, then don't show up to a social event. Because there's right ways and wrong ways to handle situations. I always describe them as the people that are shocked by a word that they've never heard before in their life, and that's no. No. I don't want to make this too much about about exotics, but we, you know, and you get this at every car show. We see it at Concorso and everything. People oh, coming yeah. in, going, "I'm going to tell you where I'm going to park at your yeah, event." Exactly. And one of the best lines that's ever been told to me is, "Is as I'm going to park there, and it doesn't matter what you say. This is a public event. I can do what I want." <laughs> huh good to know <laughs> well i mean we've all seen it so yeah, yeah i mean and you know I, I think it's important to call those people out i do i mean you know we were all sitting here grinning from ear to ear with as dan is calling someone out and we would never be the type of person call, i'm not gonna throw his name out call a name out but i think it's important that i think you know it, it, we've all had moments in life where you get out and you feel you feel confident and, and you maybe you said something you shouldn't have and I know I have, you know, the Han situation. Oh, yeah, we all have. <laughs> We've all made that stupid mistake. So, Hopefully we learn from it. Some people just get into their late 50s, retire, and still don't learn from it, but whatever. Some I, people do it in their 20s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think the moral of the story is is basically, um, for me, it's you, you see the passion in people 
yeah. when when you meet them right away. Like they get out of their car or you'll say hello or whatever, you'll start talking about the car and you know that they're passionate about that car. Um, or you'll know that they're there for their own you know, agenda um, that has nothing to do with cars. Yeah. That's what I love about the automotive world. In Pacific Northwest and things like that, it doesn't necessarily matter your financial standing or what you have in your bank account. Like you said, you sit there and you, you, you make every penny count in your car because you want to make it your thing. And then, you know, just like the guy who's a billionaire out there who wants to buy a car and specs it out the way he wants it for him. And that's important. Sure. Um, you know, the, the one thing you'll notice is, is if you own a car long enough and you're in a part of uh, a forum or a part of a, a certain Facebook group, you see cars that show up in the limelight and you're like, wow, that car is featured in this magazine. And then all of a sudden that car disappears and that person is gone because they bought that car because, you know, everybody was buying air-cooled 911s and, you know, now they're all big. And, and that's the cool car to have. Oh, so you build up a 911. And then the next year, it's like, oh, well, everybody's now building whatever it may be. And that's what they're doing. And, and it's, it's about jumping to whatever trend is hot at that time and, and wanting to, to prove something. But that car, it was like a shooting star. Like that car could have been something fantastic and inspired people for a long time. But you bought it, sold it, parted it out, made money or whatever, and got... 5,000 more Instagram followers. Or didn't, because I see a bunch of these cars, anything with over fenders, anything that's not, I mean, with rare, I mean, there might be a few that might hold their value, but anytime you do like, say, uh, a Liberty Walk kit on a FRS, BRZ, whatever you want to call it, I guarantee you on the resale market, that car is worth half, if that, if it's not even worth nothing. Because it's totaled by insurance. Sawing off the fenders of a a Subaru is... Bad? Well, it's just, and every time you see them, they're not, they're not done to the extent of like putting in fender liners and all that. It's just ground, it's just road debris being thrown up in there. Uh, we could always ask John about RWB. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to get into that. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. what, what I can tell you is that when you cut apart a car, um, and especially a, a unique car, majority of the people that are willing to pay big bucks for it are collectors. And collectors don't want a car cut up. Um, now, not taking away anything from from cars built right, you know, like to to you know, you do wide body fenders. Most of the cars that that initially were doing wide bodies were to fit larger tires and to go to the track, and you wanted more grip, you know. So you yeah. put you you did that, and then you have the style aspect of it, and that's fine too. But um, no, don't expect to dump fifty grand into your car and your car being worth fifty grand more. Like if that's the case, then ninety nine percent of the time you're wrong. Yeah, even uh, really well done um, retro uh, resto mod builds. Like even then, like it, it may be done perfectly, it even done with no cut corners and everything perfect. They don't typically get the money back that they they're. That they're putting into it, especially when you add hours to doing it right. This no. is not what I want to hear. I put a lot of money into the Triumph. <laughs> the car you mean you're never going to resell? No, I, well, I just can't. Um, physically, uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, uh, no, no. Just, I think I think that's running. that's almost your that's almost a, another thing that you could blame like the auction houses for. You know, you yeah. see, you're on, you're watching TV and you're seeing this these crazy resto mods going for 200 grand or whatever. And you're like, Oh, well my beat up Camaro is going to be worth 200 grand too. It's like, no, no, no. Those are all custom one-off builds. Yeah. And, but guess what? Chances are it went for 200, but he probably put 300 into it and, and people don't realize that. Yeah. I mean, even if you look at like singer Porsches, which are all the rage five, 600 grand, yeah. like if you've ever seen one of those in person and I have been lucky enough to see him one once, 
uh, they are worth five. You think they're grand. only going for that? The la- that green one I saw. Yeah, I think from- they might even be a million now. Yeah, they're a million. That's what I'm. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Million, it's but yeah. insane how much work is into those, and you're like, it shows. That's the difference. I mean, it's there's a there's levels of improvement that only a few can punch them on. Anyway, we are running long on this one, but I just love this conversation. John, thanks for being here. Um, for those of you who are just listening to this now, come out to Exotics. Uh, It'll be the 5th. That'll be tomorrow. Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Cinco de Mayo. No Do tacos. Do not bring booze. Or tacos. Or tacos. Oh, actually, you should bring that, tacos. That's after. That's after. John, after. Yeah, yeah. I'd like after. to thank you, too, even though you take multiple shots at me, but that's why we get along and we're friends. I think um, so. Hopefully, there won't be a 26.3. Uh, we're hoping to get this right this time. Han was the hero. <laughs> Han, Han was, <laughs> yeah, let's let's end it on Han he's, was the hero. He's the hero of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or, or he's the glitch for V1. I don't know. <laughs> so, those of you who don't know... Nick didn't know who Han was. <laughs> I didn't. Know, first of all, I didn't say I didn't know who Han was. I mixed up Han's name with Tran. Johnny Tran. Yeah. <laughs> well, either way, if if you do go, come out to Exotics at Redmond Town Center, please do approach Nick and tell him who Han is. Yes. <laughs> and what he means to you. <laughs> yeah. See how see how far that gets you. <laughs> and uh, look for look for John's E30 M3. Trust me, you guys can't miss it. You'll see the photos, but it stands out from a mile away. It's the best E30 around, the best one I've ever seen. That means a lot coming from you, Dan. All right. Well, that was episode 26. I'm Nick. I'm Dan. Don't just get there. Enjoy the drive. <laughs>